everyone. Welcome back to episode 13 of the Peanut Gallery Podcast. I'm here, Dan Irwin. I am jazzed. I am psyched. The Chiefs just won and beat the Ravens in a terrific Monday night game. I am with someone else as well, a good friend, one of my best friends, Doug Burnett. Doug, how you feeling, buddy? Oh, dude, the Chiefs win. I'm always feeling good. Not just a Chiefs win, a Chiefs thrashing of them. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close outside of we had that little fumble. But other than that, like, it was like just never a close game. So I love it. No, yeah, absolutely, man. You, you hit it right on the head there um, outside of that Thompson fumble. Really, the things that stuck out to me, um, for those that don't know, the turnover battle was even. Um, Lamar Jackson threw, threw an interception, and then the Chiefs had a fumble, which is where really any life that existed for the Ravens was pushed back into their bodies after that moment. Um, but immediately when they scored their 20th point, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs came right back down and scored, extending that to a two-touchdown lead. Um, so things that stuck out to me here, Doug, obviously we watched it together. Um, Pat Mahomes was like, hey, everyone, I know you all thinking Russell Wilson and uh, Aaron Rodgers are the front runners for this MVP race, but just FYI, I'm pretty fucking good at this game. Um, in case you guys forgot who I was. He went 31 of 42, threw for over 380 yards, threw for four touchdowns, and then just sprinkled a rushing touchdown on as well. Um, so he he put everyone back on notice who who might have forgotten who he was. And then like somehow they they thought our the Super Bowl MVP feels slighted right now, which makes no sense to like the average person, but it, it's almost like that MJ type thing that he has that like he's thinking of ways to be angry so that he can just go destroy people. Yeah. And you could see it. Cause I think it was when we scored or he scored the 20, the fourth touchdown, he did that thing where he started counting and he did that either his rookie right. year or last year. It was when we played the bears against Trubisky and he started counting out like the people drafted above him. Um, and yeah, so Pat, Patrick Mahomes has that, that FU mentality of I'm going to do everything I can to find some chip on my shoulder to keep that edge. Um, another thing that looked bad, and, and I'm sure you noticed it too, Lamar looked terrible. He once again is really just giving more ammo to the people who say once this Ravens team falls behind, they do not have the ability to come from behind because of the way they play. Uh, and Lamar, to throw some stats, stats at you, he went 15 of 28, which is just barely above 50% completion percentage. And he did not even touch 100 yards throwing. That is bad. For, for someone that is supposed to, I mean, he balled out last year. He's supposed to play the Chiefs here again in the AFC title this game this year and get to the Super Bowl. That's not going to cut it. What do you think of his performance? No, I mean, you. I didn't realize it was that bad. Like, I mean, watching it, I knew he wasn't good, but I did not realize he didn't get to 100 yards passing. That's – it's, like, always been his knock. Like you said, everybody – all the haters say it, that, like, he can't lead a team. If they get down and they have to throw the ball, he can't make the throws, right? And that's – I guess that's the thing that we are so blessed with Mahomes that, like, there's never – we're never down by too much. We're like, oh, he could just do something crazy and throw a 70-yard pass here. Like, if they're in the lead, if Baltimore gets the lead early, 
they're very difficult to beat because their rushing attack is so hard and and Lamar can make enough throws to keep them if they're ahead. But if you get a go where you're where you get to get after him and you get to kind of go into like not a prevent defense, but like you know they're in pass situations, he doesn't make the pinpoint passes. And that's like it's been his knock for a while, and I just I don't think he did anything to prove it wrong um, today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And honestly, we we got to give a hats off to the Jeep defense. I was blown away. You were blown away. I don't think anyone really expected because take out the kick return, right? The Chiefs only gave up 13 points this game against a team in the Ravens who last year was the number one ranked offense in the NFL. And this year they're top two again. Like they played phenomenal. They absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. Frank Clark, Chris Jones, all the whole team was getting after Lamar. Um, it also helps, obviously, when, when you have a 27-10 to 10 lead that allows you to pin your ears back and, and do those types of things. But still, the defense has to execute. Um, so, so cheers to them, honestly. They played absolutely fantastic. I think they were probably tired of everyone here and how uh, if the Chiefs were going to win this game, it was going to be because of Pat Mahomes and, and not because of the defense playing well. And then last, last stat here, which this, it's, you're just not going to win. The Ravens are going to win if you're, you're not getting off the field. The Chiefs were 10 of 13 on third down. You're, and we had the ball for 35 minutes. And we just had over 100 rushing. A lot of that we got kind of at the tail end of that game when we were running the clock out. Um, once again, you know, usually the, that's, that is flipped for the Chiefs normally because we just score so fast. We don't have the ball that often, and we're wearing out our defense, whereas here is reversed, which also probably probably helped the defense um, as well, dominating the Ravens. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is it like that? Usually, that like time of possession stat, stat like if the Chiefs lose that, we still have a chance to win. If the Chiefs like dominate the time of possession, they're just like you don't have a prayer. Yep, one hundred percent. I don't mean to be a homer there, but like. You're, just, you're not going to be able to stop the Chiefs if they dominate the time of possession because they have quick striking options, which we're used to doing. And then you have – if you're dominating the run game, they're just they're, – you can't do anything to stop it. No. And we, we can wrap a bow on it there. I think everyone's probably uh, tired of the, the Chiefs' homer, homer talk here. But, yeah, so Chiefs moved to 3 now. Um, this, to me, cements them being the number – number one team in the NFL right now um, and Seattle's a close second, but yeah, with this, they have a, a great path to getting the number one seed. Uh, for those that don't know or don't remember uh, the, the number one seed is the only team that gets the buy this year since there's seven teams that are making the playoffs versus the previous 15 to 20 years, you saw the one and two seed getting a buy. So that was a key victory and, and gives them the, the path of getting that one seed. Now, Doug, let's go all the way back to what seems like a fortnight ago at this point to the Thursday night game, which a lot of people probably didn't expect it to go the way it did. Um, the Miami Dolphins beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-13. They won the turnover battle by two. What were your thoughts on this game? So I was, I was a little disappointed by the game. Like, not that I really cared about it that much, but I kind of wanted, like, Fitz Madnet bad – Fits magic against Gardner Minshew to just be like a full-on shootout. 
you know, like both of them just slinging around. We joked about like both teams playing full on NFL blitz style where you're not allowed to run the ball and both quarterbacks just throw like 60 passes. Right. Totally unrealistic, not real football, but I just thought it would be hilarious for the two of them to go at it. Um, but the game, those Thursday night games are always boring. And then you put two teams that are not going to be playoff teams. It was, I don't know, it was just kind of a boring game. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get anyone juices flowing when uh, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Miami Dolphins, especially because Miami is not starting to it yet, right? That, that'd make it a little more interesting for people, the, the casual fan to watch. Um, but yeah, to your point, it wasn't great. Um, really the difference is here, the turnover battle, Miami crushed it. And then Fitzpatrick, he wasn't great, but he was efficient. You know, he only had two incompletions. Uh, he barely threw for over 160 yards. When I was watching this game and this, this again, like I'm going to talk about it later with Daniel Jones and Wentz, who's not playing great right now. Minshew threw a pick and lost a fumble. You cannot turn the ball over two times as a quarterback and expect to put your team in positions to win. And Miami got after him. They sacked him four times and then had another 10 QB hits. He did not look like the Menchu from the two previous le- weeks where he was just slinging it around, winning. Um, try to remember who they beat week one, but week two, they barely lost to the Titans. Um, and then week one, they won a, a game that a lot of people didn't think they were going to win. So really boring game. Miami, congrats to being one and two. J- Jacksonville, you're back to uh, kind of where you belong at the bottom of the tunnel pool. The Colts, that was the game. Colts, yeah, it was the Colts, who since that game have looked great too, which is another yeah. kind of like what's going on here. Yeah. Um, let's go into the Sunday games. This game was heartbreaking for me. It's two weeks in a row, man. Doug, I want to get you first on this. Atlanta lost to the Bears 30-26 to and won the turnover battle again. I'll let you take it first. Yeah, so there's kind of two parts to this. Like, one part is, like, Falcons, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, I don't know. I, I can't imagine if this happens one more time this season, I can't imagine Dan Quinn keeping his job. No, like, they I went know. To the, they went to the Super Bowl, and they, like, he did it in the Super Bowl. Like, what, what – did you not learn anything from that? And now it's happening over and over again. So that's, like, half of it is, like, Falcons, like – get it together. The other half is that now the bears have done this twice. So it's, uh, are uh, the bears good? I, mean, I don't know. Are they a good team? I, I, I can't tell. I don't think they are. I really like neither of these teams, in my opinion, are good teams. Like you can't be a good team and blow back back to back 15 point leads in back to back games. Um, and then for the bears, like you haven't beaten anyone good either. Right, like the the first game, which you just referenced, that they did this twice. Right, they did it to the Lions. The Lions were up twenty three to six, and heading into the fourth, and then they blow that one. And then the Bears barely edge out a game against the Giants in week two, after Barkley tears his ACL like halfway through the first quarter, and you barely beat a Daniel Jones team that once again he threw a pick and fumbled the ball. So yeah, I agree with you. This Bears team to me not good yet. I need to see them play the Packers. Uh, I need to see them play some teams that we know are good. And then the Falcons, I think I'd be shocked, Doug, if he gets past week four. 
I don't yeah. wish anyone to ever get fired from any job. You don't, you know, wish for people to lose their income, but you can't do that. And you pointed out the Super Bowl already, like the Super Bowl plus these two, and then losing next week. Um, obviously, Wednesday night, we'll talk about who they're facing. I'm sorry, you got to move on because he switched everyone else in the offseason. You fired all the coordinators. They're all new coordinators now. So the only thing that hasn't changed is you, man. <laughs> and this keeps happening. And to give another example, I think I had the stat last week where I can't remember the time frame on it, but the Falcons had a 99.9% chance of winning with six minutes to go in 24 seconds in the fourth quarter of this game, Doug. The Falcons had a 99.3% chance to win the game, and they lost. Yeah, I don't know. It's like as a, as a head coach, like you lost that. You blew the lead already once. You have to be thinking like, all right, we're just going to keep our foot on the accelerator. Like we're not – if we beat them by 80 points, we're beating them by 80 points. Like you would think that you would just not let up at all after it's already like, – we referenced it before – Super Bowl's already happened, so you would think he'd be on edge for losing games that he was up by a lot. And then it happens to you again the week be- just before this. It happens again. So I don't, I don't know how you allow it to happen one more time. And head coach has to eventually take responsibility for that. 100%. And then a little bit for the Bears here. Like, I am talking a lot of trash on your team right now, but congrats. You are 3-0. That is huge. I don't think the teams you've beaten are good. But, hey, you're 3-0 and and not 0-3, and that's what really matters, and that gives you a head start, obviously, for your record because slowly but surely here, you're going to be placed, facing teams that are good, and those L's are going to start stacking up. Um, they also, at Doug, as you saw, we were watching this game together too, um, they pulled Trubisky, and Nick Foles is in. He was okay. Like, he was just okay. Let's, let's all cal- calm down a little bit. Uh, you know, praising Nick Foles, acting like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I'm very interested to see him the rest of the season and see what the Bears record ends up being. And there are going to be games, and I cannot wait because I'm, I'm going to give some people some insight. Everyone looks at the Super Bowl and is like, oh, my God, Nick Foles so great. He won the Eagles the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, guess what? He also barely beat the freaking Falcons. In the divisional round, the first round, because the Eagles had a bye, thanks to Carson Wentz, he went 23 for th- of 30 with a QBR of 45, and they won barely. They won 15 to 10. So you are going to get games from Foles where he's going to have below a QBR of 50, it, and it's just going to happen. So get ready for it for, for Bears fans. Yeah, so last thing, and we can – we'll end on this, but – Nick Foles has never gone through an entire season as a starter, right? He's only uh, played partial he, sta- he started that season with um, the Eagles, and then he got injured. He played like 11 games, was playing really well. Um, it was under Reed. It was under Andy Reed back when Reed was with the Eagles. And then he got injured and, and didn't start the last five games. If I remember yeah, so yeah, correctly. He's never, he's never had, whether it be injury or bad play, he's never been a full season starter, which is right. crazy for someone who, like, people were arguing that he was like a QB1 at one point. Yeah, I mean, pe- literally people in Philly had the conversation of, like, we need to sign Foles and, like, let Wentz go to the curb and trade him. 
That was an actual conversation that Philadelphia radio had. But Philadelphia radio is, they are nuts up there. They're absolutely insane. Speaking of Philly, let's move on to that game, which I'm probably about to get roasted for. Uh, they <laughs> tied, tied the Bengals. They tied the freaking Bengals, man. The Bengals won the turnover battle again. And I'm out to touch on this. Cousin Wentz needs to stop turning the flipping ball over. It's been three weeks in a row. He's turned it over twice every single game. He right now is the reason the Eagles are not playing well. It's on him. The good news for him is the NFC East is so freaking bad that they can still win the division at like seven, um, seven, eight, and one with the tie. Because as long as they, if they sweep the Cowboys and then, you know, win five other games elsewhere, they'll probably win the division. But he's looked terrible. Um, I still think they can turn it around and it starts with him and it ends with him. Because is he, if we go from three to two to three turnovers a game to 0.5, you know, one every two games, the Eagles are going to start putting some W's on the board. Um, so that needs to be cleaned up. I don't think you're going to disagree with me there. And then the Bengals, you know, the Chargers weren't, aren't great. Um, the Browns are, are okay now that they're really limiting Baker's role and just running the ball a lot with their stud to running back, two-headed two monster there. But really, you know, who knows how good the Eagles are, right? But they've played all these teams tough. And to me, Joe Burrow is legit, man. I've watched every single one of these Bengals games. So through, through games, Doug. He's completed 65% of his passes. He's got five touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and then only one pick and one fumble. Like, considering the talent around him, isn't that just nuts? Yeah, that's my uh, – what I was going to say about that game is that Joe, Joe Burrow has – like, they're a fun team to watch now. I don't know if they're going to, like, win a lot of games this year. Like, obviously they're not. They're not, they're not very good. They're competitive, and it's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch him. And I think that he has – I'm not saying he's going to eventually be Patrick Mahomes, but he's got that Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers swagger that, like, his teammates believe in him, and, like, they believe they have the best quarterback on the field. So – which is not something they ever had with Andy, Andy Dalton, right? No, not at all. Uh, yeah. So, and then – to your point, the other thing about the Eagles is, like, I'm pretty sure that the Eagles are going to be calling up, like, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to try to play wide receiver for them because everyone on their team is injured. It's insane how many guys they have they have injured with little this and that things. Uh, so that's, like, my only caveat or my excuse for Carson Wentz is that, like, he's throwing to nobody. Even Dallas – Dallas Goddard, who had just emerged as like this player, he gets hurt. Jalen Rager, their first round draft pick, he gets hurt, or not first round, high draft pick. I don't remember what round he was, but high draft no, pick. No, you're right. He was first. Okay, yeah, first round draft pick. He gets hurt. Deshaun Jackson, of course, gets hurt again, like he always does. Uh, but they're just, you know, that, that team is so injury depleted. Is If you're going to make an excuse, which I don't want to make an excuse for you for Carson Wentz, since you – hyped him up as a top 10 quarterback. I want you to have to suffer, of course, as like any good friend would want you to do. Suffer. Of course, obviously. <laughs> but 
that is like the one excuse for him is like some of his turnovers might be timing things or miscommunication things because there's so many different players that he's having to fit into so many different spots. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's fair. I just, I guess I'm tired of using that excuse. It is a fair one, right? Like imagine if um, CD lamb, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper were, were all out for the Cowboys, right? Like we would, we would, we would give Dak the benefit of the doubt if he, if he had a bad game. Um, I just, the turnovers, the problem is the turnovers I've seen a lot are on him. They're bad. They're bad throw. It's not timing. It's not timing throws. It's literally him like squeezing the ball between three defenders, the fumbles. That's just being loosey goosey. Um, some of the sacks he takes, he holds onto the ball too long. Like I still think he could turn it around. I do still believe, I mean, he's not playing it like it right now. Don't get me wrong. I still do believe he is a top 10 quarterback and can be, but they've got to turn around and they got to turn around fast. Um, let's go to, I want to, I want to get your thoughts. I'll hit the score. The let's go to the Texan Steelers game. Um, Texans kind of started off looking strong. Unfortunately for them, the Steelers end up winning this 28-21. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think last year, because ben, Big Ben got hurt and, like, they just had just one garbage player after another playing quarterback, people forget that, like, the Steelers are always very good. They have been – basically since Ben Roethlisberger got drafted, they have been a near playoff caliber or playoff caliber team. And it's like people forgot that. Plus, they made that trade and got uh, – they stole that guy from the Jaguars. They gave up basically nothing for him for the uh, – Mika, Mika Fitzpatrick. Yes, Mika Fitzpatrick. Patrick. Um, so, like, they just stole him, and they made a defense that was already good in the front seven. They got their defensive backs even better. Like, they're good. So, that's part of it. The other part of it is that the Texans are – Deshaun Watson's just so good that he keeps the games close, but really they're not good. So it's, it's like, it's unfair to Deshaun Watson that he's like keeping these games close. So people think that they're actually like, Oh, maybe they're okay. But in reality, Watson is just so good that he's making the game close. Yeah. And uh, remember that trade that I, I think we agreed on it and called it a bad trade. I know Jared agreed with me too. Um, Hey, Bill Bryant, the guy you traded for, were you supposed to have a rushing attack? You got outrushed 169 to 29. I thought the point of getting David Johnson was to have a good rushing attack. What are you doing? No, I just, thinking it, back to that trade again, like, how much sense does it make? A guy that got benched by his last team, you traded arguably – the best wide receiver in football. I mean, I know there's – He's top three. We can say he's top three. He's, he's definitely top, top three. three. You, you picked – you traded away a top three wide receiver in football for someone who was benched by their last team. That just, that, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I will never wrap my head around that. No. And the, the only argument I hear is like, oh, he wanted too much money. Well, you brought in Brandon Cooks, and I'm pretty sure he's making nine to ten mil. Like I, I, that to me, that argument, I mean, we've seen uh, Cooper Cup just got signed by the Rams, and then they signed Robert Woods. Like, teams have been giving money and been figuring out the cap 
Every team has been able to figure it out. Hell, the Chiefs just gave Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars and then signed Chris Jones to a five-year, $95 million deal. Like, if all these other teams are able to figure out the pay their best players and keep them for the majority of the time, why can't the Texans figure it out cap-wise? Clearly, I guess they don't have intelligent people in that space. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I don't have too much to add on other than you. I feel so bad for D. Watson. I would be very shocked, to be honest, Doug, if by the end of the season, um, Bill O'Brien either A, isn't fired from the GM role, or B, isn't just fired altogether. Because this owner doesn't want to waste Deshaun Watson's talent if he's intelligent, which I would like to think he is. Yeah, 100%. Like, it very rarely happens that where the coach is the coach and the GM, like there's this special breed that it happens with and the team's really good. And then everybody tries to replicate that all over the place. And just not everybody is going to be able to do that. Like there's, it's a once in a, in a blue moon, like a, a once in a blue moon thing that the guy is both a great GM and a great coach. It happens in all sorts of sports. This happens all the time. And I wish people would stop doing it. Like you need separation of power. 100%. Speaking of someone who, at least in my purview, used to do it well the past five years, his track record as a GM is, I would say, suspect. Uh, but the Patriots, they beat the Raiders this week. The Raiders were actually the team that were 2-0 and heading into the game. Um, Patriots won pretty convincingly. They won 36-20. to They won the turnover battle. No surprise. They barely ever lose that. Um, they won by doing what I think a lot of people expected their offense to look. I just didn't think they would go for it this hard and this willingly because I feel for Cam's safety. Um, but the Patriots rushed for over 250 yards. They held the time of possession. They had it for 35 minutes. And really, the Patriots did what the Saints couldn't, uh, which was take advantage of this Raiders defense, which is not very good. Uh, I mean, hell, if the Carolina Panthers were the first-year head coach of Matt Rule and, you know, he was on the Saints, played four games for Drew Brees, but really it was his first starting job since the Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater, if they could put up 34 on you, you best believe the Patriots can do the same thing. Um, so I was impressed. I think overall I'm probably going to be wrong uh, as far as the Patriots having not a great record. Doug, what do you think of this game? Yeah, so, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. That, like, this is kind of the overall theme of what makes, in my opinion, Bill Belichick the greatest of all time, is that he's always doing something a little bit different than everybody else, right? He was kind of – they were the first wave of that instead of just handing the ball off to somebody, they would throw those little bubble screens all the time. Like They'd throw the little quick, quick out, and that would become their run play. Right. You get and four now, or five yards there. Everybody is spreading out. They're like, okay, everybody else, you, we, we talk about this all the time. When everybody else zigs, they zag. So they're, they're going to this ground and pound game. And the Ravens are doing it a little bit too. But they're like, they're going into this full-on rushing attack and doubling down on defense while everybody else is just trying to score as many points as possible. And it's, again, it's going to make them successful. Will they win a Super Bowl with it? Uh, but, you know, it's, they're going to win games doing it because they have an attack that is just so much different than what the rest of the teams are, are trending towards. Um, right. Do you – I asked Hyatt this. He was on. He wasn't as worried. 
do you worry them running Cam so much? So let me he, they they ran him fifteen times week one, twelve times week two, and then nine this time. Like he's on pace for over two hundred carries. Like that's running back stuff, and he's been injured before. Like, do you worry about that? So I mean, I do, but I mean. We, People always joke that, like, right, Bill Belichick is, like, the Sith Lord, right? He's the Dark Lord. I think he just doesn't care, right? So, because Cam is on a one-year rental for them. So, right, they were supposed to be bad. Cam gets hurt. All right, we're going to be bad like we, we were supposed to. People thought we were going to be bad. And now I can try to get Trevor Lawrence, right, the guy, the guy who supposedly is who we wanted. Or Cam holds up and they do well. It's like a – Belichick for him, I think, feels like he's in a win-win. If he gets hurt, they didn't invest anything in him, so it's terrible to say that. And I bet Belichick obviously cares about his players, but I think part of the thing is it's not like us rushing Pat Mahomes that many times when we've invested half a billion dollars in him. They didn't invest, so the risk reward is kind of you know they don't really care in a way. That's fair. That's fair. And and I think. A lot of people are like, wow, like, look how much better this Patriots offense is with Cam. Like, yeah, it looks this way because of how they utilize them. Like, in my, in, in my, in my opinion, like, the way the offense was structured last year with Brady, right? The reason it wasn't successful is because Brady couldn't do what Cam does. Teams are having to stack the box, right? Which then leaves these open coverages for these guys who can win one-on-one. The problem was they weren't getting one-on-one coverage before. Um, so I think it's great. I, I do think the Patriots will – I still don't think they'll beat the Bills and win the AFC East. But right now, unless Cam Newton gets hurt, I'd be shocked if they miss the playoffs considering there's seven teams that make it now. All right. This, this was probably my most favorite game to watch outside of the one we watched tonight. We got the L.A. Rams – faced the Buffalo Bills. Both teams were 2-0. Both of them looked great weeks one and two. The Bills squeaked this one out 35-32. to The turnover battle was even. They both had two turnovers. Um, Doug, what were your thoughts on this game? What would you like? Uh, so this game, we, we always joke about this, that there's like catch-up mode, right? When you get down by a lot, which is a, a reference back to NBA hang time and an N64 game that once you got up by a lot of points, just like everything went wrong and the other team, everything went right for them. And then when the game got close again, then you could actually start making shots, right? So that's what this game felt like, is like the Bills got up by a lot and then catch-up mode turned on and the Rams just went crazy. And then it got close again and uh, that the game finished with, with Josh Allen making a couple of really nice throws um, and being able to squeak it out. But it was – like you said, it was the most exciting game to watch. Uh, I don't think that this game is a deal breaker for the Rams. I don't think it shows that they're not a playoff team. I don't think that this is a marquee win for the Bills, obviously, because they didn't put them away. So it's not, I don't think either team proved that they are better than a playoff caliber, maybe in the right situation, conference championship or, or you know, AFC, NFC title or maybe, maybe Super Bowl. I don't really see either of them as Super Bowl contenders, but I, I just think they're both good, not great teams. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you head on there, actually. Um, I think someone who's 
name is getting left out here. And obviously it's because a lot of people are pushing Russell Wilson because he's been slighted the past five years. And then you got Aaron Rodgers on his FU tour to everyone because people doubted him after the Packers drafted Jordan Love. And then, of course, you're always going to have Pat Mahomes if he's playing well. Dude, Josh Allen is playing lights out football. He accounted for all, all 35 points. Josh Allen, he threw for four of them. He rushed for another. He completed 24 of 33 and threw for over 300 yards again. Like, he is playing awesome. Watching him is is a joy. And to your point there, you got to give it up to the Rams for not, you know, rolling over because they were down 28-3 to midway through the third quarter and then came back to, you know, end up – eventually they were winning. The Bills had to go down and score that touchdown to win the game. Um, So a lot of resiliency there by the Rams. And I agree. I think both these teams are playoff teams. Um, And I – if the Chiefs weren't in the AFC, I could actually lean on the Bills maybe doing something and like at least getting possibly getting to the Super Bowl. But with the Chiefs there, it's just so hard to picture it. But let's move on. My, my okay. last little thing about that, what I was going to say, I think to your point about Josh Allen not getting love, that always happens to small market players. Right? Like the Buffalo is not like a huge, they don't get a lot of national media coverage. So, like, the players don't get talked about at all. It's, no matter how good the Cowboys are, they're always going to get talked about. No matter how good the Patriots are, they're always going to get talked about because they've been – well, they've earned it because they've been good for so long. Like, the, people always talk about the big mar- – they trend towards the big market teams because that's where all the, the big media coverage is. So, I think that's why Josh Allen is not getting the love that he probably deserves. Right. And, and I tell you what, he's going to have his opportunities. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They could easily be 5-0 and heading in to Sunday, I believe it's Sunday night football, against the Chiefs in week six. They got the Raiders next, which won't be easy. The Raiders are, are solid based on what I've seen so far. Then they got the Titans. Won't be easy, but I, but I think to me they should win that game. If they're 5-0 and heading to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs probably will be 5-0, and and Josh Allen balls out, and he's not the reason they lose, that's where. That is exactly right there, doing on the big stage against the Super Bowl champs. That's how you get your name in the real MVP conversation. So we'll see if he's able to do it. All right, let's go. This will not be long. Doug, the 49ers dominated those terrible New York Giants. It was a 36-9, to so shellacking. 49ers won the turnover battle by three. Which uh, anything else to add on this one? <laughs> the Jets are very, very bad. Like, was well, uh, hold on real quick. Is the the Forty Nine? That was last week. The Forty ers played the New York Giants. The Giants. Yeah, Giants. I, that was what I was gonna say. Is I was starting with the Jets are very bad, but the Giants are bad too. I think that there's a legit chance that New York has the first and second pick with the Jets and Giants. I there's a legit chance because. The Giants don't look good either. I'm, I'm kind of comparing them to last year's Cleveland where people like hyped up that Danny Dimes was going to be this baller after a rookie season and then just hasn't panned out for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's their scheme they're doing. You know, I don't really get to watch those games that much, but he's just – he's not as good as he was last year when – I think last year he was more carefree, so maybe that's why he played better, but – I don't know. I don't want to talk about this game too much because 
they're just not very good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, to me, it's, you know, Carson Wentz is struggling with it this year, but Daniel Jones had the problem last year and it's continued. He always has turn turnovers a game and he's going to get replaced real quick if he keeps that up. Uh, but yeah, let's move on uh, to a little more interesting game. The Tennessee Titans played the Minnesota Vikings. The Titans won 31-30. to They won on a last-second field goal. They won the turnover battle, Doug, by two. What were you, what'd you think of this game? Uh, I thought this is another one. This was a, it was a good game. Um, I, it's the same thing that we kind of thought before, that the Tennessee is a good team, like the Buffalo Bills, like they're good. Are they going to beat the Chiefs? Eh, probably not, because they don't have someone that can just go crazy like that. Uh, but then Minnesota, just like always, you are never going to be able to count on Kirk Cousins. Like he's not – you just never know what you're going to get from him, even within one game. You know, like he was, he was so bad last week, and he was better this week. But then within the game, he just misses throws. You're like, dude, you're, you are a too high of a paid quarterback to miss that throw. Uh, yeah, I mean, he still threw two picks. Yeah. It was better, but once again, like, turnovers, man. Come on. I think one thing that did happen is that that rookie, Justin Jefferson, that dude is – He's legit. He's legit. Yeah, yeah, man. Speaking of that, he – so he had seven receptions. He was targeted nine times. He had over 175 yards and then a touchdown. He had a long one. I think it was like 75 to 80 yards. Um was where the touchdown came on. So, yeah, he was – he balled out. We'll see if that trend trend continues. Um, but what's weird is, like, the Vikings, outside of those turnovers by Kirk Cousins, played well. Devin Cook had over 180 rushing yards. Like, he was putting in work. They th- put up 30 and lost. And the reason they lost, two, two interceptions. That's the reason they lost. It's literally that simple, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't, but Tannehill was efficient. He didn't turn the ball over. The Titans did their thing. They rushed the ball well, and they won the game because they had the ball last, and they didn't turn the ball over. He's got to stop that. You make too much money. You've been in the league too long. Um, let's go on down. Last noon game of the day. The Washington football team played the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns won 34 to 20. And this this will probably shock you because I didn't notice until I looked this stat up. Dude, the Washington football team literally turned the ball over five times. Five times that game. Yeah, but you you said it about the Vikings just now, and you, you said about Washington. Like you can't win if you turn the ball over that many times. It's just there's no way to do it. Um and like I I remember looking at the stats. I see they scored 34 points, and I, I wasn't able to watch the whole game. I'm like, oh, so Baker, like, Baker was really good. And I'm like, what the heck? Baker, Baker threw for 160-some yards or something? Like, he, he didn't really do much. But he also didn't lose them the game, which is trending up for him. You know, he's, he's played two solid games in a row. Um, he's not playing with as much confidence as he played with, you know, like that rookie year. I think last year hurt him a little bit, his confidence. But – Cleveland, uh, probably not going to be a playoff team. They're just – they're going to be middle of the road. I see them right around 500. You know, they're, they're going to beat teams that they should beat, but it's still not firing on all cylinders. 
for them to just be this offensive juggernaut we thought they were going to be. Um, and then to say about Washington, I, Ron Rivera is a great coach and he's made them more competitive and like they're playing harder and they want to play well for him, but they're still just not very good. They're not talented enough. No, because they have the guy that started seven games last year and was terrible. And I said he was going to be terrible again. And Alex Smith truly must not be fully 100% back yet because it makes no sense why he wouldn't be starting over Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins had four of the turnovers. Four of them. Four out of five. That's unacceptable. He is so darn bad. He is going to be out of this league in short order. Um, I honestly, I, I see what you're saying about the Browns not firing on all cylinders, but Doug, this is how they're going to win. They need to take, when Baker was pressing right the year before and just making all these bad decisions, this is how they're going to win, by pummeling people with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, rushing to for 150 to 170 yards each game, and then limiting Baker's throws to under 25 to 26 throws a game and not turning the ball over. Like That's how this Cleveland Browns team is going to win maybe eight, nine games. It's not going to be having Baker throw it 50 times. If Baker throws the ball 50 times, no way in hell they're winning. Just no way. Yeah, I uh, guess it's more of, you're right. I 100% agree with you. You're right. But that's different than the expectation people had when they go out and sign Landry, right. sign OBJ, and you're like, man, this is going to be like. And then you got Kareem Hunt. Yeah, people thought this would be like competing with the Chiefs as the best offense in football, and they're, they're nowhere close. But, hey, another interesting stat for you. I can't remember if I talked about this with you at the bar, but this is the first time. Browns fans, listen closely. This is the first time the Browns have a record above 500 since December of 2014. Cheers. Claps all around. Well Bra- done, Browns fans. I mean, come on. Drink it in. Pour yourself a gin and tonic. Maybe have some champagne. Like, you got to live this moment up. You don't know. It could be another six years. But all jokes aside, congrats. I do think the Browns will go somewhere between the 7-9, and nine, the 9-7 nine and seven record. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now let's go to the afternoon games. We got the Carolina Panthers were 0-2 coming in. They played the Chargers, who were 1-1. One one. Carolina ended up winning this game. Um, Doug, what did you think about this game? So, I mean, really the only takeaway from the game, we knew Carolina was not – going to be great we knew they're going to be okay be able to run the ball and we knew that ty uh, that teddy bridgewater was going to throw a bunch of checkdowns. nothing surprised us there uh, i don't think herbert was he was okay you know if if he had been named the starter for the long haul i didn't think he did anything to lose his starting job but he also wasn't as sharp as he was for times of the chiefs game where he like made it where they need to say he is the starter. Um, that's really my only takeaway from this. From two teams that are not going to be playoff teams, so not a whole lot to say. Yep. Um, I was still impressed with Herbert, considering he only threw one interception and he threw the ball 49 times. That That is a good thing. Like Usually you would expect a rookie to have at least two there throwing the ball that much. Um, but, yeah, over, overall he wasn't that impressive. And then same thing as before. Like, I mean, the Browns won the turnover battle by five. Guess what? Panthers won the turnover battle by four, and they won the game. Like, it's 
I, I sometimes don't like saying the turnover, but like, it's just a fact. Like, look at the stats. I've said the stats on here before, like what it looks like when percentage, uh, but with one turnover, with two, with three, like, that's why I talk about it. Cause it's so important and it, it will show you the winner of the game, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, let's go on and we won't t- touch much on here. The Colts uh, were like, hey, 49ers, you dominated the Jets? We'll take some of that. We'll take that milkshake. Colts beat the Jets 36-7. It wasn't close. I think the Jets are the worst team in the league, and I expect Adam Gaze to be fired uh, after next week's loss. Doug, do you agree? Yeah. Now, back to what I was saying. I started to say this when I was thinking about the Giants, but the Jets are just very, very bad. Like, they might – they have a strong 0-16 possibility. They're, they're bad, bad. Uh, I, I just there's – not, there's not like more than one or two players that you're like, oh, yeah, that guy would start for a lot of teams. So they, one, are under-talented, and two, don't have a – I don't think a very good coach, even with his crazy eyes going all over the place. I don't think that can freak people out from the other sideline. <laughs> if, if only that was a way they could win games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're not on that. The Colts are okay. I, I just think they're okay. They, don't, they haven't wowed me yet. I also don't think they're terrible. I just think they're okay. Yeah, I agree. Let's go into a, lot, a more fun game. Dallas Cowboys faced off against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle was 2-0 heading into the game. Dallas was 1-1. Seahawks won this game. Um, Russell Wilson, once again, was like, hey – I am here. I am ready to win this MVP. Y'all have been disrespecting me for five years. I'm tired of it. He threw for over 300 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. And honestly, the Seahawks should have scored 45 points if if DK Metcalf didn't pull Deshaun Jackson like seven years ago uh, by counting his chickens before they hatched, had the ball out just willy-nilly, didn't think anyone was close behind him. Um, and then a, the Dallas Cowboy corner came out, punched the ball through the back of the end zone and cost uh, – saved the Cowboys. Great play by him, uh, but cost the Seahawks uh, another seven points there. I love what I see from the Seahawks offensively, and I want to preface that again, offensively, because they have looked terrible on defense. Their front seven is bad. They don't get after anyone, um, which is going to be a problem for them coming up against the good, the really good teams. But I love what I see from Russ. He needs to keep cooking. He needs to keep producing. Right now, he's thrown for four, 14 touchdown passes. He's on pace for like 75, which we know won't happen. Um, but if the Seahawks continue this, he goes 13-3, and three and he throws for like over 50 touchdown passes, it's going to be tough to see him not winning the MVP. Doug, what would you think about this game? And what do you think about the Cowboys and the Seahawks? Yeah, so uh, Russell Wilson is just so good. Like, you look at his stats in that game, and, and five touchdowns obviously is, is a great game, but he was – you go 27 of 40 and 315 yards versus 37 of 57 for 472 yards for Dak. But to me, it was not even close who the better quarterback on the on the field was. Like, we talk about this all the time that – Dak puts up fake numbers. He puts up against prevent defenses when they're down. He puts up numbers against bad teams. But his thing, which is there's a few quarterbacks that can do this, and he doesn't do it. He doesn't 
make receivers that aren't open open because of how good his pass was. Like he doesn't throw people open. Russell Wilson does it. There are guys that they're covered all over and he just throws a perfectly thrown pass and makes them open because of how good his pass was. And that's the big thing that I, I never want to put Dak in my top five because I don't think he throws people open. I think he just hits people who are already open. If that makes sense. No, it, it absolutely does. And, and honestly, um, I mean, the NFC's quarterbacks, they should just, they should make a club. It should be called the turnover club because all of them this past week and a lot of them have been doing it more than just this past week looked absolutely terrible. Dak Prescott had three turnovers this week and it should have been two more. Seattle dropped two more interceptions that should have been on Dak. Like, look, Dak is a good quarterback. He has looked great because the offense is always stacked. He is not a top 10 quarterback and he does not deserve Pat Mahomes money. Does he deserve 34 mil a year? Which is what I think Wentz and Goff, I think that's what they're getting paid. I'm pretty positive, you know, plus or minus one or two mil there. Fine. I'll take that since that's pretty much the going rate for a starting franchise quarterback. Right. Um, but once again, I've said, I've said it before against winning teams. This was before the start of this season against winning record teams. He was five of 13. And once again, Seahawks winning record. We'll know they'll, they'll end with a winning record. That's an L at another loss there. Um, so that's just where I struggle with Dak is when it really matters most, he comes up short. And to your point, I've watched many of his games. That was a great call by you, Doug. He does not throw people open. Uh, last little note on the, on the Cowboys, 14 carries for 34 yards. That's not going to get it done. Like that was supposed to be their bread and butter was we hand the ball off to people argue top. He's a top three back in the league. And you're getting 14 carries for 34 yards out of Zeke. That's not a good game plan. Like that, that's when they were at their best was they, they handed off, handed off, handed off, handed off. And then Dak hit somebody over the top to Amari Cooper or one of his other, his other threats. I right. don't, they're not going to be a playoff team if they aren't getting over, I got to say over 80 yards rushing. They should be near a hundred, but like, if you're not getting, they have, they have Elliot and they have Tony Pollard who's supposed to be like one of the best backups in the league and gets a little bit of run even as a backup, but you got to, you, I don't think throwing 57 times with Dak is a, is a recipe for success for them. No, it's not. And, and honestly, Anyone who's listening, go look at Mike McCarthy's offenses with Aaron Rodgers. I understand Aaron Rodgers on another level, but what did we always hear about those teams, Doug? They need a running game. They need a running game. They need a running game. And it never happened. They never got a running game there until the last two years with, with Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur as head coach. And but, they had, with McCarthy, they had Aaron Jones. Matthew Barry, I, I remember him talking about this all the time. He was always like, free Aaron Jones, free Aaron Jones, free Aaron Jones. Like, people knew the poten potential that Aaron Jones had, and McCarthy just chose not to aggressively run the ball with him. So that was – to me, it wasn't like that they didn't have a good enough player to run the ball. I think it was that they just didn't – they just chose not to. We didn't make it an emphasis. Right. And this is what you're going to get. 
Dallas Cowboys, FYI. Like, don't be shocked that you, you're constantly going to see Dak throw the ball 40 times a game and not run Zeke. Who, FYI, in case you guys forgot, um, you paid him before the quarterback, which I called out was a terrible decision by Jerry Jones for bending to the knee of, of Zeke. You paid him $100 million, and half of it was guaranteed. And now you're not going to utilize him. Good waste of money there. Now, Doug, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Detroit Lions 0-2. We're 0-2. The Lions won. This is probably the shocker of the week. They, uh, they, beat, they went in Arizona, and they beat the Cardinals, who were 2-0 and flying high, pun intended. A um, couple key things here. Actually, really just one. Kyler Murray was bad. He's been great. He had a good rookie year. He, was looked, he looked amazing weeks one and two, but this game is on him. And the reason I say that, he threw three interceptions. As we talked about with Wentz, Daniel Jones, Haskins before, and many other quarterbacks, as, as you've seen, you cannot turn the ball over three times as a quarterback and expect to win the game and put your team in position to win. Yeah, uh, 100%. He was, he was not good enough. The, the thing that's hard, like, about Kyler Murray is that people forget, and the, the same goes with Dak Prescott, they forget that being a fantasy quarterback is a different thing than being a winning quarterback. Because Murray has two passing touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown um, and runs for 29 yards. So, like, they look at, the, they look at their fantasy team, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, he had quite a few points. Like, he must have been good. But then you watch the game, and, you know, we're at – we're at streetcar watching nine different names at once. And all of a sudden we keep looking over. I go, Holy crap. Did he turn it over again? Is that a replay or he just throw another pick? And you guys would be like, yeah, that, he did it again. He threw another pick. I was like, that's crazy. Like every time I, I looked at the game, he was throwing a pick. And then for the lions, it, the lions are the, are the worst, not like the worst team, but like they're the worst to bet on. They, oh yeah. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. Maddening. They are a maddening team to watch. And like, they're almost like the anti-Patriots, right? The Patriots are for some reason, always good. Even when you think they're not going to be good, Like They just find a way to win. The lions are the opposite of that. You're like, Oh my God. Like they got Matthew Stafford. They got Swift. They're their new rookie running back. Who's a stud. They got, Galladay, like their defense is pretty good. They got some players, and then they just find ways to lose. Like the Lions are just going to lion. That's what they're going to do. And what's crazy, if they would not have blown that uh, game one against the Bears, they'd be two and one right now. And and that everyone be like, wow, maybe look out for the Lions because really against the Packers, like no one really expected them to win anyway, right? So, uh, but to your point, Lions just lining things left and right. Now, I'm very excited about this next game, Doug, and you probably know why. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they beat the Denver Broncos, which they should have beat them. They covered the spread easily. They won 28 to 10. They won the turnover battle by two. But, Doug, the, the reason I'm excited to talk about this game is because it's starting to happen, my friend. This offense is starting to click. The Broncos have a good defense. I realize that their offense made it harder on them because there's no Drew Locke, right? Um, so then the defense is on the field more, et cetera, et cetera. But Tom Brady was 25 of 38. 
just under 300 yards at 297. Three TDs. And the key thing, Doug, the key thing I loved, no turnovers this week. Whereas the two previous weeks, you know, you could tell the offense wasn't clicking. They had that, you know, game one against the Saints. There was that interception, which, you know, miscommunication between him and Mike Evans. But the other one was definitely on Brady. Uh, last week, he had two again. He threw a pick and then had a fumble. So I love to see the no turnovers. And I loved mainly because when we watch Drew Brees, I see a lot of digging and dunking. Tom Brady's airing the ball out. I saw seven passes of 40, over 45 yards or more that he threw. And they all were tight spirals. Um, so, yeah. And guess what? FYI, in case, in case you forgot, the Saints, which we're about to talk to you, the Bronc or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, they're leading the division. They're leading the division right now. And guess what? They're going to win 13 games because it's just getting started, baby. It is just getting started for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this offense. So I'll pause. People are probably just wanting me to shut the hell up right now, Doug. Doug, come in, give us some objectivity. If I am I on my rocker, tell me what's up. So yeah. The system quarterback, the ultimate system quarterback, he played, he played pretty good. But, but. There's always a but. Knows they can't win the game. Like, they knew they were not going to win the game with, with Jeff Driscoll or whoever the other guy that they pulled late in the game. They pulled Driscoll and they put some other dude in that I've never even heard of. So, like, when the other team – doesn't have the fight in them, it's easier for the offense to look good. Yes, they looked better, but I want to see them look good against a – they're not to be a great team, but let's just say an average to above average team. And the Broncos now without Drew Locke are not going to be very good. Plus, they were without Von Miller, who is, yes, on the back end of his prime, but is still their main leader. So I'm not, I'm not ready to go full on Brady's back. Brady's going to be an MVP. He's, he's, well, there's, there's no way he's going to win the MVP. I'm, I'm going to stop that there. As much as I want to see it happen. Not really. I want Patrick Mahomes to win it. Um, as much as I want him to be in the convo, Russell Wilson's just doing too much right now. There's, there's no way Tom Brady can even get into the convo. I, I, I'm sorry. As much as that would be fun for me, I, I don't see that happening. I just, I guess my only thing is I want to see him where he's in a close game, have to make big throws in high pressure moments with this new cast. He does fair. like that, then I'll be like, okay, this team's, maybe this team is going to go 13 and three. But well, you're going to see it. Doesn't mean they're going to go 13 and three to me. You're going to see it, Doug. You're, you're going to see week six. We get Packers versus Buccaneers. That game's going to be great. The Buccaneers should be four and one by that point. Um, I don't have the Packers schedule in front of me, but I imagine they'll probably be five and out. That game is going to be fantastic. And unfortunately for them, they can't flex it to the Sunday night game because that is the Bills Chiefs already. So, speaking of we Packers, uh, we get to see the goat, the goat Aaron Rodgers versus a system quarterback Tom Brady. The disrespect that you put on Tom Brady's name, you should be thrown in prison for the amount of disrespect you put around Brady. 
and we're not going to get into the many, many debates we've had because literally this podcast would run another two hours if we did that. But just wait and see, Doug. I'm going to be right, and everyone's going to come to me, and I'm going to get apologies. I'm going to get Christmas gifts. I'm going to get cards that say, Dan, you're the best. I'm so sorry for ever doubting your intelligence. That's what's going to happen, and I can't wait for it. Speaking of the person you just said was the GOAT, though, let's move on. The Packers played last night against the New Orleans Saints. They won the game 30 to 7, or 37 to 30, excuse me, in a very high scoring affair, obviously. Packers barely won the turnover battle. Uh, it's not a big difference maker there. They, they won it by one. Uh, guess what, everyone? Aaron Rodgers is still in FU mode. As I called out before the season started, Rodgers, look what happened when he got drafted 26 and went below Alex Smith and many other players in that draft class. He has been the best player. It's not even close. When he has a chip on his shoulder, Aaron Rodgers is a top four quarterback in the NFL, and he is proving that because right now it is him, it is Russell Wilson, and it is Pat Mahomes, and then it's honestly probably Josh Allen is the fourth best quarterback right now. He's back, and he's not going anywhere. This Packers team is going to win the NFC North, as predicted, and right now we could be on a clash course between a Seahawks-Packers Super Bowl right now. Um, they look great. You mean uh, NFC Championship? Oh, did I say AFC? You said you said a uh, Super Bowl. Oh, my bad. And uh, correct. Yeah, NFC Championship game. Someone would be cheating if uh, if that was the Super Bowl. Um, for the Saints, you know, another game without Michael Thomas. You know that sucks. Woe is me. Injuries are all over the place. No one's gonna feel bad for you, especially Giants fans who lost Barkley. Um, Panthers fans, they, they lost Kishman McCaffrey. Like, no, no one's going to feel sorry for the Saints here. Um, they did look better. Drew Brees was much more efficient. Kamara balled out. He had 200 total yards and two touchdowns. But once again, for me, Brees is dinking and dunking and way worse than Brady. Way worse. Like, he will not throw the ball past, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field. And that makes it easy for teams to scheme. Obviously, you're like, well, Dan, they put up 30 points how, you know, on the Packers. How easy you know, is it the scheme? Well, you know, the Packers don't have an amazing defense. And also to the fact, you know, the Raiders held them in check for less than 30. And that defense is terrible. So I think once they start playing the you know, top-tier defenses, it's going to be a load of trouble. And I could honestly see them leaving Breeze I mean, I, I know they probably really won't make the call, right, because they want him a Super Bowl after Hurricane Katrina. He's saved their franchise. There's just all that, like, political and optic stuff that they probably won't ever bench him. Um, but I honestly think I'd take my chances with Tyson Hill and Jameis Winston to air the ball out more. Doug, what would you think of this game, and uh, what would you think of Drew Brees? Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, when Aaron Rodgers is angry, he's just so good. When he gets angry, he is like he just does stuff. You're like, how did how did he even how did he do that? Those one he's rolling out and he throws it one footed and just like flicks it with it wrist and all of a sudden it's sixty yards down the field and the guy's catching some no name guy that we've never heard of catched a sixty yard touchdown. Seems like every every couple of weeks that's happening. Uh, 
And you, I, you said it exactly right with Drew Brees. Like people, again, they look at the stats, they go, okay, he had 288 passing yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. A running back had 140, 140 receiving yards. That's not like, you're not going to be able to do that week in and week out. You can't scheme that. So um, I think also that as the year goes on, people, I don't think defenses have realized fully that Drew Brees has lost a little zip. And I think that they're going to force him to start trying to push the ball downfield more and more and more and more. And he, I don't know that he still has it. That used to be Drew Brees. He, he threw such a beautiful D ball and he threw, and he could just throw the ball all over the field and he would just pick people apart at all different levels. And now he is much more dinking and dunking, like you said. And uh, I don't know that they're going to have the vertical passing game to beat the really good teams. Yeah. That's, that's where I think they're going to struggle. And starting off one and two, not great. Not great, Bob. Um, All right. That wraps up the week three analysis. Now I'm going to head in to give y'all some players to pick up who are probably on the waiver wires. Um, A lot of these are the strategy around waiver wires, right? Is like you want to pick up someone based upon like a possible matchup where you think like the third wide receiver is going to blow out and do well because wide receivers one and two are going to get doubled. Therefore, the third wide receiver is going to be open a lot and he'll win this matchup. Uh, and then there's also like you want to pick up people so the other teams don't have them, right? Like the, it's a strategy-based game when it comes to waiver wires and assessing that situation. Um, so I got three players who, who I think um, you should be look out for. They're probably on the waiver wires. I'd be shocked if they weren't. Um, number one is Nick Foles, especially uh, if you're in a league where you start two quarterbacks. You know, they, they have said already, Trubisky lost the job. And it's not like a week-to-week analysis thing. It is like it is Foles' job, unless like somehow two weeks from now he throws like six picks, right? Like you can pencil that in. Um, next guy, T. Higgins. Week one, no catches from Joe Burrow. FYI, T. Higgins is a wide receiver for the Bengals. Week two, six targets, three catches, about 40, 50 yards there. Week three, nine targets. Six catches, two touchdowns. You can see see a slow progression here. And I love T. Higgins at Clemson. I thought he was fantastic. He's got great speed, great hands. I I I would pick him up. I don't know if you start him. It depends how you know what your team is looking like in bye weeks and situations. But I at least think you need to get him on your roster so someone else doesn't have him because this could slowly turn into a rookie rookie combo where all of a sudden T Higgins is the number one wide receiver and not Boyd or AJ green. Um, next guy, he had an amazing this past week, but weeks one and two, he was not great. It's Patriots running back Rex Burkhead. Um, this is a have him on the roster. Really. It's like flipping a coin, picking up, you know, paper out of a hat kind of luck on which running back is going to be the flavor of the week. But this is another one. It's a strategy-based game. You pick him up so no one else has him, right? Those are three players I like that are probably in the waiver wires that you should pick up. Doug, is there anyone else that stood out to you this week that someone needs to look out for? Yeah, so I'm actually I'm, – I'm going to say five here, but two of these are like – they're probably 
maybe they're on your waiver wire. Um, two guys that have been – people knew they were going to be pretty good, and they were really good this past week are – I talked about Jeff, Justin Jefferson really blew up. I, he's probably drafted in most leagues, but if he's not, he needs to be rostered. And then Alan Lazard, uh, who's becoming Green Bay's number one with Devontae Adams injured. Um, those two guys are – they might not be available. They're probably – they're probably rostered in, I'd say, 60% of leagues, which is usually above the, like, waiver wire threshold, right? Um, so those guys, like, you take those out. Um, three guys that I, I thought about. One, Chris Carson got injured late in that – like, real late in the Seattle game. Right, and they're saying he'll probably be out one, two weeks right now. That's the yeah, early and, reports. And they are going to run the ball well. And – I know that he, like, the Texans dropped him like a bad habit, but Carlos Hyde was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. You can use a 1,000-yard rusher on your fantasy team. So uh, I think Carlos Hyde should be rostered places. Um, talked about Philadelphia and how they're going to, like, who knows who they're going to try to get to, to play wide receiver for them. Um, they're going to be, like, they're going to look like the, the replacements out there with Carson Wentz being – Shane Falco throwing the ball to whoever. Uh, but they have a guy, Greg Ward, who like has just – he's fallen into being their number one wide receiver. And you have a above-average quarterback throwing the ball. The number one wide receiver should probably be rostered. Um, the last one is uh, if Deontay Johnson is going to miss time for the Steelers, which uh, early indications are he will – then uh, Chase Claypool, under limited targets so far, has had some big plays here and there. Um, so just a guy to, to – those are kind of two deeper league things. Um, you know, if you have a, a shallow league, you might get Jefferson and, and Lazard. But uh, I think that Ward is, is going to have a couple good weeks until they have their players back because they got to throw the ball to somebody. So that's my thought. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that advice. I will, uh, we'll see what happens. Luckily, uh, you know, I'm going to chew my own horn real quick. I do have uh, Jefferson, the Vikings wide receiver, uh, but he was on my bench. So those 27 points did not go anywhere. Now, yeah, speaking of that, and then I'll, I'll let you get onto your betting, but in fantasy football right now, I, I believe, I believe that you're talking to the three and Oh, oh boy. Here we go of our league here we go if you're looking for fantasy advice i mean the guru is here um just the real oracle, you could call me just real quick um mr mr oracle and and you knew by you talking smack that this question was going to be coming your way has the oracle ever won our league you see <laughs> <laughs> There are, there are a lot of things that fluctuate year to year in the stock market and, you know, politics. Ah, damn it. Dude, this, why is it always the stock market and politics that gets in the way right. of fantasy football it's, championships? It's in my way of fantasy football, but this, this is my year. You're playing well. You're, you're playing well. I feel it down in my plums. <laughs> this is true. You're playing well. I, I, will, I will, you know, tip your hat. You, you are playing well this year. You drafted well. But, uh, you know, let's, let's move on to uh, apologies if I blow out your speakers here. But, you know, we're going to do a little show me the money. 
my favorite part, the betting. Now here we're just doing a little review, right? Like me and Jared, um, Hyde gave us picks too. Uh, when we recorded Wednesday night, released it Thursday morning last week. So Survivor League picks. Uh, I gave you the Eagles who tied. Now this depends on your league. This is a setting when you set up the Survivor League division, whether a tie allows you to move on or whether it's a loss. Um, so that will just depend on your league. If it counts as a loss, my apologies. Actually, <laughs> I'm not apologizing for shit. Go right to Doug Peterson and the goddamn Eagles for not going for it on fourth down and overtime and punting the ball. Uh, like, you know, God, I, unexplainable. But Jared was right. He took the Colts. That was a snoozer. So if you followed him, um, you're correct there. Locks of the week. I had the Buccaneers covering the six-point spread. You are welcome. They covered convincingly. I am 2-1 and one now in my locks of the week. Jared took the Raiders plus six. Unfortunately, that did not hit for him. And then both of our parlays, unfortunately, did not hit. Um, mine started off real rough and, because I took the Jaguars' money line, and they, uh, they decided not to show up and play football and put a high school team out there. So, overall, had a decent week in betting. Uh, lock of the week netted some some nice money. Hope you all followed. Be ready for next week. We're going to be coming at you with more bets, of course. And Doug, thanks, man. Thanks for for chipping in and pinching in here, man. Happy to happy to be here and and uh, be a part of the, the peanut gallery. Uh, you know, we're we're hoping that Jared gets back soon um, and get get the real peanut gallery gallery back together but i'll fill in as a, an almond right now or as a cashew <laughs> hey we'll take it i appreciate it um everyone thanks for listening and thanks for stopping by we'll see you next week hey,